Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. KMOX and your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking the Good Gardening Stroll shortly, but 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Questions, comments, or concerns, and especially like comments. Whoa! Not a comet like in the sky comet, but a comet. What's the difference? How do you pronounce that? Two M's, one M? Anyway, who cares? There's an N in there, too. There is. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. I didn't even see that letter. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, this morning, <laughs> this morning you live in a fairly rural area, so I yes. bet you had to scrape your windshield. I most certainly did. <laughs> and I didn't, you know, you, uh, okay, I got to get out about three minutes early so I can get that done. I didn't do it, so I was running late. But yes, I did. It was a, on the, on the, the south side of the car was just wet. Really? But everything else, yeah. But everything else was. Wow. Yeah. Because Mike was frosted all the way around. Was it? 360. Yeah. Wow. Maybe the moon melted that side. I uh, don't know. <laughs> very well. <laughs> it's very pretty that, you know, when it's chilly like that, I guess the air is cleaner. But it's really pretty when it's chilly, like, you know, like it was this morning and the moon. It was beautiful. Yeah. So yeah. I guess this is just the beginning. I think all next week we're in the, like, low in the t- mid-20s or something. Well, they're talking, yeah, the, the overnight lows are going to be down there. So right. So time to bundle up. Oh. <laughs> so what do we do with our plants? Bring them in. They better be in now, right? <laughs> they should be. If they're but not there's in. a lot of people as I walk around still have stuff out on their, you know, mm-hmm. in their yards and whatever. Yeah. And uh actually Tracy and I were in the West End yesterday and uh we we went past a house and their begonias, you know, regular old begonias showed no signs of any kind of cold damage whatsoever. Really? Yeah. Huh. So the West End must have some kind of hovering Helicopters or something keep the, <laughs> the air moving like they do over orchards. <laughs> I bet. I bet that's it. I bet. <laughs> well, great. Thanks, Brian. You bet. It's Saturday, and let's have a roundtable discussion about your backyard. What's going on in that side yard? Oh, the neighbor extended their downspout, and now every time it rains, your yard gets really wet in that area. How about, the, like Brian was talking about, your house plants? Hopefully you have them inside or you just don't care, and uh, they're probably not doing so well. Anyway, what is a potting mix? How to improve your soil during the wintertime? How about pruning? Should you be pruning this time of year? And what about those, speaking of bugs, uh, the city of St. Louis has planted uh, several bald cypress as street trees. And these bald cypress, this is along Loftboro, 
And I cannot believe how many bagworms are on these bald cypress. I don't think of bagworms and bald cypress in the same breath. Usually it's junipers, but this is really surprising to see how many there are. And you know, also it's like, gee, what's going to happen once these things really start exploding as far as the bagworms go? Because you know those sacks are just a bag of eggs. The female's already dead. She's already laid the eggs in there. So anyway, be interesting to see. Um, what else? How about my thoughts? Hopefully, or hopefully, we'll solidify your options and you make the final judgment. It's going to be on your shoulders for sure. This is your show, and I appreciate you inviting me into your home car or wherever you happen to be listening. Another very important player is Alex. He'll be answering the phone, so you can give us a call, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. And uh, all he needs to know is your first name and where you're calling from. I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. I can come to your home and do landscape consultations if you'd like for me to take a walk and talk, and we can discuss things that you have on your list, and I'll keep my eyes open for things that I think could be impacting your landscape. You go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, the homepage, and that's where my email address and phone number is. That's where I can be reached. So uh, let's get going, and today's Good Gardening Stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting. I always start off the morning, I never really kind of know where I'm going to go for the Good Gardening Stroll. Sometimes, yes, but for the most part, no. But uh, I decided to head down Kings Highway from where we live, and I turned into Maryland Plaza. And in Maryland Plaza, November 28th, which that's today, I believe, to December 23rd is a winter stroll. And it's brought to you by Shakespeare Festival, St. Louis Shakespeare Festival. Who would think that the Shakespeare Festival organization, that's stlshakes.org, would be doing a stroll through the Central West Inn. And what it is, it's a walking Christmas carol. There's snowflakes and bells that are painted onto the street. And that fountain along Maryland Plaza, which is, you know, a fountain in the summertime, is filled with this fantastic Christmas tree, which is dominated by red ornaments. There are some silvers and everything else. All the street trees are wrapped with garland and bows. And uh, the tree trunks on the street trees, <laughs> the street trees, anyway, are wrapped as well. So it's going to be fantastic at night. The, as you walk along there, too, you're going to see some oak leaf hydrangeas that are still holding on to the really great red foliage. A boxwood hedge really neatly pruned is along that walkway, too. The pine burrows, or pine boughs, I shouldn't say burrows, pine boughs covering open spaces. And a wrought iron fence runs down along the residential side of Maryland Plaza, which across the street, that's where the retail stores are. There's some giant snowflakes. Some of them, there's four of them, I believe. And two of them are blue, two of them are white. And they sit on top of a roof of a restaurant. And it was like, wow, those snowflakes are massive. So it was really kind of cool to see that as well. The sun was coming up. The temperature will be rising. The birds were really starting to get a little bit more active. There was a few bicyclists out, and they were all adding animation to this February 28th 2020. So if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. 
Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. You know, some of your uh, houseplants, your tropicals and things like that, prefer to have cooler temperatures. One happens to be Phalaenopsis, which is a type of orchid. Also, the Christmas cactus. So if you put those up close to a window, you don't have to take, you know, pull them back away from the window when the temperatures start dropping. So they like it cool. That kind of triggers the bloom. And uh, something that's really fantastic this time of year and very easy to grow is amaryllis. You just buy the bulb. It's already in a pot and everything else. You just start, you water it once pretty much. That's all you need to do. And then you'll start to see the flower stalk come up. And then after it finishes blooming, then the foliage will start emerging. Let's go to Kristen's. And Kristen, how are you? Christine, oh, sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, I have a question for you. I just purchased a lot of perennial and hydrangea bushes from a big box store. Would you put them in the ground or would you keep them in your garage and take care of them for the winter and plant them next spring? I would probably... Get them in the ground as soon as you can. They've got time to acclimate. The perennials, it might be a little bit iffy, but definitely the woodies, they they can be planted until the ground is so frozen it's difficult to dig. But uh, the ground is still pretty warm, so I would probably put them all in the ground. Okay, thank you. That's the only question I have. All you right. have a great day. Yep. And, again, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. With your lawns, your zoysia, if you have a warm season lawn, it should be pretty much tan by now. Any areas in your zoysia that are green, that means that's not zoysia. <laughs> so I've got a couple patches, which when we first moved to our house, I we had some spots in the backyard, and I got some Scots, like, all-purpose, you know, seed. And, boy, that stuff is tough. They always, you know, we always hear or I think... Zoysia will overrun everything and kill it off, and everybody's always worried about the zoysia coming in from their neighbors, and that's not necessarily the case because there are certain things the zoysia cannot get rid of. Chickweed is absolutely exploding right now, so there's all kinds of chickweed, and when you dig the chickweed up, you know, just uh, if you do that as opposed to trying to use like a broadleaf weed killer, um, it's surprising. This is an annual cool-season weed which just germinated in August, but the root system is pretty extensive. I mean, as I was just really surprised. I've got some uh, chickweed in pots where I'm, you know, I've planted my spring flowering bulbs, and then consequently, you know, just over time, some of the potting mix has gotten some chickweed in it, and uh, so I just kind of watch it and see how fast it grows, see how deep the root system is. But anyway, let's head over to Kathy's house. Hi, Kathy. Yeah, hi, Mike. I have a, a fiddle leaf fig, and I've had it for years. I've cut it back. It grows back. It's really a nice plant. I noticed I've been watering it lately with distilled water, and the tips of some of the leaves are turning brown. It's, could that be from the distilled water? I wouldn't think so. But, uh, uh, that I mean, since it's a change, but no, I would, you know, I don't, I don't really see that as being the problem. Distilled okay. water should be, clear, you know, clear. That's why you probably went to use it, as opposed to some of the tap waters. You know, the alkalinity is a little bit high, but uh, that's, True. you know, so 
I would say, no, it has nothing to do with the distilled water. It's got to be related to something else. How old is the plant? Oh, gosh, I would say eight years old. Oh, really? Oh, that's not that old. So I was going to say. Okay. Yeah, it's not. I wouldn't worry too much about it. No, I don't worry too much about it. Do I just take off the leaves that are just getting real brown, obviously? Are they getting real brown? Are they lower leaves or are they the newer growth coming out? Well, I, I'm looking at now. There's, uh, yeah, the lower leaves, and there's one at the top that's got started it too. Yeah, if they're lower leaves, then that could be just those you've grown in for eight years, so you know the lower leaves are the ones that drop off because this is really a tree, and you know right, trees right. don't have you know let's say leaves on the lower ends of the bark or the trunk. So I would say you know only ones they turn at least half brown, I'd take them off. Other than that, I just leave them. Okay, I'll leave it alone. All right. Thank you so much, Mike. Yeah, uh-huh. my pleasure. Bye-bye. Uh-huh. And let's head from Kathy's over to Jay's. Hi, Jay. Good morning. Hi. I have two questions. Uh, I have a very beautiful variegated geranium that I just discovered this morning was still looking good on the outside patio. I want to bring it in. Uh, is that a possibility that that thing would, would continue to grow and bloom during the winter? Uh, Blooming-wise, it may not bloom, but it could. Geraniums are really quite tough. They do, you know, really pretty well inside. So uh, you shouldn't have any problem with it. Just put it in a very bright window and uh, don't overwater it. And that's, I should have told the lady with the fig tree, she's, you know, she changed to a different kind of water, but you got to make sure that you're not overwatering. And you got to do the same thing with the geraniums, too. They want to be really, really go through a dry spell before you rewater them again. Okay, number two. In the, some of the stores I see about the three foot tall Norfolk pine trees that are potted, um, are they. Well, first of all, could they work as, uh, like, uh, miniature trees on each side of my front door, that kind of thing in the weather? Uh, would they grow, then, if I planted them in the ground? Any ideas on that stuff? Neither one. Basically, they can, they're not winter hardy. So, I mean, they'll survive for a while, but once the temperatures really get cold, and let's say typical classic winter, they're not going to be able to survive. So, whether they're in the ground or in a pot or anything else, so it's... They just don't, uh, they're from Norfolk Island, and that's down by Australia, basically. And so, consequently, they can't take our winter times. If they would be, if I would bring them inside, how, how do you think they would last for, like, during the holidays or something? Oh, they do pretty well inside. I mean, you can have them actually as houseplants, just so they get, you know, oh. if you have, like, a sliding glass window, door, or whatever, where it's really bright and you rotate it every day or two, then, I mean, to keep, you know, sun going on all the needles all the way around, you should be fine. I mean, I had a Norfolk Island pine that I probably had for maybe 10-plus years, and I don't have it anymore because I just got sort of tired of it. But uh, so, consequently, they're not bad houseplants. Very good. Thanks for your help. Have Certainly. a great show. Bye. Yeah, my pleasure. Again, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Make sure that if you do have perennials and they have been, let's say, knocked out, or even if they haven't, uh, by the cooler weather, that you get that debris out of there. And especially in the shaded areas, because there's all kinds of different slugs and snails that love to sort of like live on the underside of your hosta leaves as they go down. So that's really something to be concerned with. And don't let uh, 
the leaf, you know, mulch. I don't want to say mulch. It's not really mulch. Let's say the leaf debris build up too much on any kind of area in your landscape because it can create too much humidity and that can create a fungus problem. You're not going to notice it during the wintertime, but it could really sort of like set up a scenario when the new growth starts next spring that uh, you're going to go, oh, what's going on here? This is really a little bit depressing. And uh, make sure that if you do have a cool season lawn, if, you, if you're able to, you haven't turned off your irrigation system yet or put your hoses away, if we do have extended periods of drought or dry periods, uh, which we haven't yet, uh, that you can go out there and do some watering because dry soil is not just for lawns, but for any kind of plant material is about the worst thing that can possibly happen because it creates air pockets and then those air pockets will fill with the colder air, and then that will kill the feeder roots, which are the smallest type roots, and that's the ones that really absorb the nutrients and moisture for the benefit of the plant. So that's really something to you know, be conscious of. And depending upon what type of mulch historically you've had on your plant material, take a look at it and see if it's uh, you know, kind of crusty. So in other words, it's kind of, let's say, melted together, if it is, make sure you go out there and just with a you know a rake or something, just kind of scratch it so you can make it so you know moisture can penetrate. Because sometimes, depending upon the type of mulch, it can be a circumstance where the, it gets so dry on the surface that it prevents you know rainwater from penetrating into it. You still got a chance to get those spring flowering bulbs in the ground. If you decide you don't want to put them in the ground, you can use potting mix and put them in pots. And then uh, put them in a cool location, dark location. And um, guess what? In a, probably like six weeks or so, eight weeks, you can pull them back out, more, you know, water them, put them in a sunny location, and then you're going to have some tulips, daffodils, or whatever it happens to be in your landscape. Only it's not your landscape. It is in your house. And that's you know a really neat thing, too. If you're kind of looking, let's say, I want some color and I don't want to have to fool with tulips and daffodils and everything. There's a bulb called paper white narcissus. So it actually is a type of daffodil, only it's a tropical type daffodil. So in other words, it can't live outside. But you can go to your favorite garden center and they're going to have some paper whites. They're very easy to, you know, just put in a potting mix and just let them go and grow. And then now once they finish flowering, then they're pretty much, they go to the compost pile. There's no reason to save them or anything else. But uh, any questions, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, historically, for probably, you know, numerous years, I would have to think maybe up to 20 years. One of my favorite things to get this time of year is a rosemary tree. So in other words, it's not really a tree, but it's a rosemary plant that's pretty mature and it's been pruned to be in, you know, a tree shape. So in other words, it looks like a cone. And uh, depending upon where you get it, the size of the pot and everything else, this year I got one that's probably in a six-inch pot and it's about 14 to 15 inches high. And I put some really light uh, wired lights up in it. And I wrap them all the way around. So, and the smell of the rosemary is perfect. And the other day on Wednesday, I was at a place 
And I'd never seen this before. They had not only rosemary trees, but they had lavender trees. And so that really kind of caught me by surprise. Now, I'll probably stick with the rosemary because of the darker green. The lavender is, you know, that off, off gray green color. But uh, there's all kinds of really neat stuff out there. So you can have some unusual things, too. So we have it sitting right in the window. And I rotate it every day. And I, it comes in a foil wrap, you know, because it's a holiday type thing. And I leave the foil wrap on it. And what I do is how often I know how to water it because any kind of herb really does not want to be overwatered is I watch the inside of the pot to see when the potting mix starts shrinking away from the inside. And also I lift it because I rotate it a quarter turn every day. And then once it really starts getting light, then I know it's time to give it a good watering. And with that foil wrap, you don't have to have a saucer or anything else underneath it. So I just put enough so I can feel the water go down through the potting mix and get into the foil wrap underneath. And um, then when I feel a little bit of water in there, then I know that's enough water for that particular time. Let's head over to Jack's yard. Hi, Jack. Hi. How are you? Very good. Listen, I I just put a new uh, zoysia sod front yard in, in beginning of November. I mean, it was done. They had they put down three inches of top dressing, and, and it looks great. They just told me to, to uh, keep watering it until it freezes, and it looks fine right now. But I'm wondering, should I do anything else this winter, or should I wait to spring to do anything with it? Yeah, definitely don't do anything. You don't want to core okay. aerate. You don't want to fertilize. You want to just make – and the reason why – I mean, usually they don't even have you know zoysia that late in the season. So for them to put a zoysia sod down in November, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I said zoysia. I'm sorry. I have that in the back. I have. Uh, it was uh, fescue. Oh, okay. That makes you know. That's. I was going to say, gee, that's kind of t- yeah a tough yeah, time of year to be putting it in. Yeah. But no, basically, you don't want to. Don't do anything except just make sure that it's you know well watered going through okay. the winter time. Okay, how about spring? Uh, in springtime, then you're going to go through, I, I don't know how, you know, just watch out for, through the wintertime. Just watch out for the cold season weeds. So, in other words, the ones that germinated in August, which are henbit, okay. chickweed, annual bluegrass, uh, Persian speedwell, and things like that. You might want to be doing a weed control, broadleaf weed control. And then in the okay. springtime, you're probably only going to do maybe one application of fertilizer, because guess what? It doesn't really like to be fertilized going into summertime because that's the time when they go, let's say, they get a little bit weaker. So probably okay. one application of fertilizer or two, depending upon our weather, uh, in the springtime, and uh, just watch out for the weed control. Okay, great. And should I, should I put out, like, uh, any weed killer in the fertilizer or just straight fertilizer? Uh, I would try you. I like to keep them separate personally, but there's okay. probably nothing wrong with, you know, getting a, a weed, you know, a weed killer fertilizer type circumstance. A, a weed and feed thing? Yeah, exactly. Okay. I appreciate your help. Thank yeah, you. My pleasure. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Again, the weeds are optimistic. The seeds germinate and they do best when the lawn is kind of thin. But that's not necessarily the case because, like with me, my zoysia is fairly thick in most areas. But I always go, how did this uh, 
chickweed seed get in here and how's it being able to penetrate? So weeds can, I mean, they are tough. There's no getting around it. And uh, they're going to go nuts. And like I said before, the this ones that germinated last August are going to go through the wintertime. They're going to start producing seed, and then they're going to drop the seed. And then when the weather gets warm, probably around mid-May or so, then they're going to disappear. But they've dropped seeds, which will lay there all summer long and then germinate the following August. So, again, it's like henbit, chickweed, uh, shepherd's purse, uh, rabbit's foot clover, the Persian speedwell, which grows really flat and looks like a Veronica. It is a Veronica, basically. So those are the ones that you should be you know, kind of watching out for. Now, if you do have that and you have the annual bluegrass, then the broadleaf weed killer will not kill that. It's going to take a grass killer. Let's head over to Helen's house. Hi, Helen. Hi. Um, I, have a, I, I think I came in on an end of your conversation there. I just wanted to check it. Um, I've had a lot of trouble with getting bees and bugs in my hosta and my sedum. And I think I just heard you say over winter you should cut that all the way flat to the ground. Yeah, the hostas, now the sedum, if they're a type of sedum, generally there's not going to be that, you know, there's not going to be a lot of insects involved with the sedum. But definitely with the hosta, cut the foliage, you know, off entirely. Completely flat to the ground then? Yeah. Oh, okay. I always thought that saved it over winter. Uh No, 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 no. They don't need that that protection, uh, you know, of the you know protecting the crown because, I mean, the hosta leaves just turn brown and lay down on the ground anyway, and it's not much right. protection, so they don't need okay. that. Thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. Uh huh. Bye. Yeah, it's uh, it's really kind of surprising uh, what you can see on the underside of some hosta leaves. You think, uh, you know, who cares? You know, I don't want to fool with it. Blah 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 blah. And then you go out there, and it's not going to happen necessarily all the time. But uh, all of a sudden, you cut one leaf off and look on the underside, and you see two or three slugs that are going to basically winter over there. And then slugs can really do some damage to hosta during the warmer weather. Let's go up to Florissant and into George's yard. Hi, George. Hey, Mike. How are you doing this morning? Very I've got good. a quick question. Uh, winter hibiscus, should I, can I divide them now or not? Uh, probably late. I wouldn't Too do late. Yeah. I would say earlier if it was... Uh, Let's say the end of October, I would say yes, end of November, because you're going to tear up the root system, then you're going to put it back in, and we have no idea how bad the winter, you know, the winter is going to yeah. be. And the only problem is I already got them dug up. <laughs> right. Oh, you already have it dug up? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it ain't, it ain't funny, Mike. It's not funny. <laughs> I would say put it back in the, you know, put it back in the hole and then just get okay. it out of the ground, and um, let's say around Valentine's Day. Okay, cool. Awesome. Okay. Have a good day. Appreciate yep. it. You too. Thanks. And f- last week, uh, we had a lady who called in and said something had been stripping the bark off some of her trees, relatively young trees. And, uh, you know, she lived in Afton, and we had somebody, I said, oh, there's no deer in Afton. And then somebody called and said there was deer in Afton. But things that, uh, you know, deer can do damage to from a woody standpoint is like uh, they don't like ginkgo trees. They don't like the oak leaf hydrangea. They don't like the gold thread branch cypress, hawthorns, the American holly. They don't like junipers, paper bark birches, uh, rosa sharon, blue spruce, hypericum, witch hazel. And that's, you know, the woodies that they kind of stay away from. Now, if we have a severe winter and they're desperate, they're going to go after some of the things. And I, 
So you just don't know. And as far as right now, what they're not necessarily eating, but the males are marking territory. So that's what they do. They, you know, use their antlers and they kind of screw around and, you know, tear. I guess that leaves a smell. I'm not exactly sure. I'm assuming that's what the case is. So consequently, those are some of the woodies that you can have that the deer will stay away from. Uh, Let's go over to Eric's yard. Hi, Eric. Hi, Mike. Uh, Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I've got a couple of questions for you. I've put a couple of crepe myrtle plants in, sort of small ones in earlier this year. And uh, now they're sort of, you know, dying back or whatever. And right. uh, they're real, real st- sticky, you know. And, and uh, I have, would it be best just to put some mulch over those for the wintertime then? Yeah, just put some, you know, like two to three inches of mulch around them. You don't, you don't necessarily have to bury the stems or anything, but you're just basically trying to protect the root system. Okay, and do that around any kind of plants. So we got like rose bushes and things like that too. Yeah, I mean with roses, if they're the classic roses, the hybrid teas and grandiflores, you're going to pile up mulch higher. If they're the shrub roses, you're going to treat them just like any kind of shrub, which means any place between like two and four inches of mulch. I got another question too. I had put some broccoli and cauliflower, and they're just starting to harvest it a little bit right now. Is that okay to keep that in the ground, or will that any? Colder weather hurt that at all? Uh, they're pretty tough. Now, if it gets super cold, you know, there could be some damage to it. But, uh, you know, even down, I think they should be able to withstand even to the mid-20s. Okay. And last question. I've got, I usually put a couple uh, fall fall fertilizer in, like, September and uh, end of November. Is that still okay to put that in? It's about 2406 fertilizer. Oh, it's, uh, we're talking about putting it on your cool season lawn, right? It's, uh, yeah, uh, fescue and bluegrass. Right. It's it's almost too late to be putting any kind of fertilizer down because even on the cool season lawn, they really, I mean, they like the cool season, but, uh, I mean, to force some growth might not be the best thing to do because, again, we just don't know what our weather's going to do and what it's going to be like. So if it forces some growth, then we get a really severe cold. It could, the new growth could be damaged even in your lawn. Okay, but if I would put it down, it's best to put it down before it's going to have some rain coming. Yeah, exactly, because you're probably okay. you've already put your hoses away, your irrigation systems turned off. But if it's granular type, definitely you got to get it, you know, wet. Is out. Yeah, that sounds good. Okay, thank you very much. Yep, my pleasure. Three one four four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. Phone lines are open, so. After the, let's say, these spots, we can come back and talk about your landscape. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Uh, deer problems, there are plenty of bulbs that the deer do not like. One happens to be like chorus. They don't like the flowering onions. They don't like crocus, glory of the snow, snowdrops, hyacinths, grape hyacinths, the uh, type of iris, iris reticulata, uh, frigularia, and daffodils. So those are some of the bulbs you can plant. And unless things get really wild and crazy, the deer will leave those alone. Let's go now to Sue's yard. Hi, Sue. How are you? Hi. Hi. I have some strawberries in my garden that Uh, pretty much take over my garden in the summertime. How can I thin those out? 
Uh, are these real strawberries or are they the wild strawberries? No, they're the real strawberries. Uh, you, uh, basically, you don't want to do that now. For the wintertime, you want to kind of cover them with straw so you can't really see the foliage. And then in the springtime, okay. that's when you're going to do the divisions. Okay. So in the springtime, I just can take them out and put, put them someplace else? Exactly, right. Just make sure that okay. where, you're, where you're digging them, that is actually, you know, a place where the root system is going into the ground. Because you know how they spread. They run all over the place. Oh. Yeah, that's what they did this year. <laughs> <laughs> I had more plants than I thought I did. And hopefully you all had right, some good you very fruit. Much. I did. Great. Well, yeah, just, uh, you know, wait till springtime. And when the garden center starts having, uh, you know, have them, let's say, for sale, that's when you should probably do the divisions. And now let's go to Decatur, Illinois, and into Mike's yard. Hi, Mike. Yeah, Mike. Yeah. Great show. Uh, thanks for uh, all you do. Well, thank uh, you. I had a question. The uh, original knockout rose, the single red, came off patent last year. So you can legally propagate those. You cannot sell them under the patented name of knockout rose, but you can legally propagate those now. Not the pink ones and not the double knockouts, but the, only the single red. Mm -hmm. So what's the best way to propagate those cuttings, of course? What would be the sequence you would do? Basically, uh, I wouldn't you know, do it this time of year. But, uh, again, when we hit a Valentine's Day or so, you cut a stem that's about 8 to 12 inches long. Cut it at a 45-degree angle. Then have some rooting hormone, which is going to be a powder. And when you make the cut, right after you're going to dip that into the rooting hormone and then put it into a potting mix for starting plants. Okay, very and good. Probably what about in a sand? Six inch, yeah, in a six-inch pot, you could probably put six, you know, probably six different cuttings in that one single pot. And then, right. you know, sink the pot into the ground and just wait, for, you know, wait for a couple of years. You're going to start to see the foliage, you know, you know, come out first year. Hopefully any stem that you made the cutting and it doesn't push out any kind of foliage, then just get rid of that particular one. Now, these I know take full sun, and I've got one that just didn't do much. It probably gets 60% sun. I guess the best thing is just when's the best time to pop that out, and I'm going to get it out in the full sun. When's the best time to dig that and transplant Probably that? I would say uh, ideally, let's say mid-March to uh, early May. Okay, very good. Thank you, Mike. Sure, my pleasure. And let's go from Decatur to Springfield, Missouri, into Larry's yard. Hi, Larry. Uh, good morning, Mike. Um, do you have any suggestions for uh, a plant in a large pot on a porch that is in uh, shade? Likes to plant something that would be about uh, two to three foot high. Now we're talking. So in the in the shade. So is this? You want a tropical plant? Is that what you're looking for? You're trying to. What are you trying to grow? Not, not really. No. So. Let's see. I would probably take a look at uh, maybe some of the varieties of the hardier ferns. Okay. And that, you know, like a Christmas fern or something along that line, because that's a type of fern which is hardy. And it can, right. you know, so it could stay out there and it is evergreen. So it's going to give you some presence during the winter as well. Okay. Do you have any suggestions for something that would bloom? Uh, that large, uh, that's kind of a tough spot. 
If you want okay. something that's going to be a little bit smaller, uh, let's say 8 to 10 inches with purple leaves, there's a type of coral bells called uh, palace purple. They're evergreen. Right. The foliage is about the size of the diameter of a softball. And they do flower, but they're not spectacular in flower. Most of the things that are in the shade garden circumstance are not going to be, you know, extended flower, flowering plants. So that's kind of where the de- the difficulty comes. If you want something well. that's a little bit more colorful, uh, think about maybe the Japanese painted fern. It's it's going to not get you flowers, but it's going to the foliage is kind of silver and maroon. All right, Mike. Thank you very much. I yeah. appreciate your help. Well, sure, my pleasure. But I mean, it's it's tough. When you go into the woodland gardens, whether, you know, I mean, and it's, uh, let's say, stuff that's hardy, they can't, uh, they're really not going to give you much of a show for an extended period of time. Let's see if we can head over to Debbie. Debbie, could you do it kind of quickly? Hi, yeah. Can you hear me? Sure. Okay. um, I bought a one-gallon Wygela this year Mm -hmm. and planted it. And, of course, it started out with what I'm going to call, like, one trunk coming up. It now appears to have three, <clears throat> excuse me, three trunks coming off. It grew like wild. I mean, they're four foot tall branches, but they've split in the middle and they're just laying down. Ooh, wow. Yeah. So actually, there's, I mean, the bark actually split. No, the bark didn't split. The branches. Okay. So in other words, I would, you know, I would just go ahead and cut them, cut them back. Whatever length they are, I'd cut half of them off. Okay. They're a good three foot. Yeah, so cut them back to, you know, 18 inches or so. Okay. What we did was we put some chicken wire around it to try to get it to, loosely chicken wire around it to try to get it to uh, support come together in the center. Yeah. So they just kind of split, laid down on the ground, but they grew like mad. Yeah, probably they got too elongated for, you know, structurally for them to be... For the actually the plant to be that strong to support all that you know upper growth because there was probably a whole bunch of leaves on there and I don't know if you yep. got any flowers or not but that's a lot they of didn't weight. bloom this year they didn't yeah bloom. this was the first year so we had well we had one little teeny bloom and but this is the first year that I put it in um, so I can cut it now yeah I would go ahead and cut it and then in the future if you get something that's that small if it starts elongating. And, you know, for the most part, it's not to the advantage of the plant material to flower during its, uh, let's say, first season or really first two years or so. Just, you know, cut the stems back before they get weight, you know, let's say, beyond what you think they should be as far as lengthwise. And just keep it pruned and keep it tighter as far as the growth goes. Okay. Try to get it to the shape that I want it. Right. Exactly. Okay, now should I put some mulch in that, too, for the winter? Yeah, around, around the, bottom the bottom of it. Yeah, probably okay. like maybe two to three inches. Okay. Okay, that sounds great. All right. Everything I read told me something different. <laughs> 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 it's a beautiful day. I'll be out there working on it. Thank oh, you. Sounds perfect. And we're almost out of time, so we're not going to try to take another call. Uh, perennials and ground cover that uh, the deer do not like. Butterfly weed, columbine, coreopsis, primrose, uh, lungwort, penstemon, purple, or, or purple coneflower, and several other ones as well. 
acanthus, let's say ground cover wise, they don't like most of the herbs. They don't like lamb's ear. They don't like wild ginger. They don't like they don't like lily of the valley, which is kind of surprising. Creeping phlox, vinca minor, which is the evergreen one. So anyway, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We'll take your calls after the news. KMOX and your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, it is the Garden Hotline, and it is is the tip of the trial hour. I'll be giving that shortly, but right now you can call 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with your ideas, questions, concerns, or comments. And, Brian, you were talking about feeding the birds and everything else. Yes. What are the dominant birds right now? Cardinals and? Cardinals. Uh, boy, we have a lot of finches. And we went through the summer with the, the finch feeders. I hardly had to fill at all. And now I'm filling them up about every other day. They stay and away I'm, from, I guess, the feeders. They don't need it. There's I guess enough. so. Yeah. So a lot of finches uh, and sparrows. And we have a lot of, the woodpeckers are back, too. All right. Yeah. They're always fun. Oh, they are. It's it's <laughs> just so much fun to stand in. On my mornings off, I'll stand in the kitchen and just look out and and watch those birds, and it's, it's a great way to spend some time, for sure. You ever take pictures? Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah, try to take them. They don't come out as well as what, you know, you see in person. Sure. But, yeah, we we have a lot of pictures of them out there, and we're thinking about getting a camera to put out there Whoa. so that even, like, I could sit at work and, and watch them, <laughs> you know, kind of live stream them a little bit or something. You better but, not uh, be doing that at work or I'll tell. <laughs> <laughs> Very discreetly, I will right. do it. But, yeah, they're, they're wonderful. I love them. Well, great. Sounds good. Well, thanks. You bet. Yes, folks, and thanks to you for having me on your show. We can discuss, discuss plant selection, caring for, ups and downs and all arounds. Annuals of pansies, I've seen quite a few that look still very good. Some have probably weren't taken care of very well. They don't look so good. How about your bulbs? How about the edibles? Ground covers, house plants, lawns, perennials, roses, trees, shrubs, vines, or water gardens. And hopefully you've got, if you do have a water garden, you have koi in it. Or even if you don't have koi, you put a netting over it prevent, to prevent a lot of leaves from falling, you know, fallen leaves from blowing in there. It could really screw up the water. It could kill your koi or any kind of goldfish you might have. But also it can just contaminate the water to make any kind of plant material that you do have in there have a rough time and or just aesthetically look icky. So anyway, I'll share my thoughts, but remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take, but strictly offered for you to consider. Across the big board is Alex. He produces today, as he has been for quite a while. Production means he pushes all the buttons, but also he answers the phone. So he just needs your first name and where you're calling from. During the week, I do landscape consulting and on the weekends as well. And you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage, that's where my email address and phone number is. And I'll come to your home and share some uh, thoughts about what's going on in your yard. The tip of the trial is a special recognition for individual group or a situation that's made an impression on me and is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Tip of the trial goes out today to the the people that... the. Drivers of the street sweepers. There is in around, at least around our home, there, depending upon the prevailing winds, there are areas where the leaves have piled up so much on the streets. 
and these street sweepers back and forth and back and forth. And then they've got dump trucks because they get so many leaves in the street sweeper, they got to dump them, you know, and it's like really common amazing. But I just admire these people for being so consistent and persistent. And they do minimal damage, you know, beyond, let's say, the curb. And just take once they finish, it is just amazing. And then pressure of like on Wednesday, our area, one side of the street is on Wednesday. The other side's on Thursday as far as the sweeping goes. And because this Thursday, past Thursday, was Thanksgiving, they tried to do both directions at once. And so consequently, normally you can't park on the side where they're going to be sweeping but because Thursday was, you know, they were sweeping on Wednesday, they were going, having to go around all the cars and everything else that were parked along there. So, again, tip of the trial goes out to the people who drive the street sweepers and, the, I guess, the dump trucks, too, that are sitting there waiting for the street sweeper to come and then dump their stuff out into it. So, tip of the trial to the street sweepers, city refuse. So, anyway, that gives a tip of the trial. If, if you have any questions or concerns, 314 314- 436 or 1 800 925 1120. Let's go to George's yard. Hi, George. Hey, George. George, are you there? Oh, sorry, George. Give us a call back. Uh, let's go to Tom's yard. Hi, Tom. Hello, Mike. Hi. Uh, I've got a. Mike, I've got an area in my yard about, oh, it's about 150 feet by 40 feet or so. It's heavily wooded. It's got mostly oak and cherry trees, and nothing grows underneath those trees, no matter what I plant. Is there anything that you can think of that is not real invasive that I can plant there and uh, keep that area uh, covered with, with vegetation? I would say, I mean, it, it is going to be somewhat invasive, but I look at the Vinca Minor which is periwinkle. It's a ground cover, basically two inches high, blue flowers in the springtime. That would be my first choice. Second choice would be okay. some of the ivies, you know, English ivy, Baltic ivy, you know, one of those type things. If you just want a carpet in that space. That's that's the idea. You know, with all those trees, it tends to dry out like crazy, and, and I guess that's probably part of the reason why things don't grow. That could be, but initially... You know, you might have to do some watering for the first year or so till they finally get the root system established. But they, those, you know, the ivies and the periwinkle can handle, you know, a pretty dry wooded situation. All right. Well, thanks a lot. I appreciate yeah. your, the uh, information. Yeah. Again, it's a uh, you know Baltic English ivy or Bulgarian. There's three different types. So you can't tell that much difference, and the, they're kind of non-flowering. Uh, but uh, the periwinkle, the vinca minor, that'll give you blue flowers in the spring. So thanks, Tom. Okay, thanks, Mike. Yep. And now let's go over to Judy's yard. Hi, Judy. Oh, good morning. Hi. Uh, I enjoy your show so much, our show so much. Is it too late to plant uh, spring bulbs? Uh, if you get them in the ground as fast as you possibly can. We're... Uh, you know, the ground is not frozen or anything, but ideally you would have had it in the ground sooner because you want the root system of the bulb to actually start, you know, growing, and that will help, okay. you know, help them basically flower. But you should be able to, if you get them in as soon as you possibly can within the week or so, you should be okay. Okay, great. All right. Thank you very much. Certainly. My pleasure. 
And now let's go to Mary, and she lives in Shrewsbury. Hi, Mary. Hi, Mike. Uh, Thank you for this program. Um, My question also, I took up your suggestion of putting uh, bulbs into pots, Mm -hmm. but I haven't potted them yet, and I haven't put them out uh, because it's been so warm. Um, Is it, should I wait like the, uh, till the end of December or what's the best time frame to do that? I would say get them in the, you know, get them in the pots and get the pots outside. Just make sure after you plant them, because a potting mix is probably going to be dry, that you water it really well. Sure. Yeah, I can do that. No problem with that. But, but do it today, preferably, right? Yeah, because it's going to get colder and colder and colder. So for your sake, do it as soon as you possibly can. All right. Thank you so much. Yep. And uh, let's see if we can get Diane. Hi, Diane. Yes, hi. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I'm looking for advice on an evergreen shrub to have and grow up against a fence. In another climate years ago, we had a pyracantha um, that was beautiful, evergreen and red berries um, lots of the time, um, but we didn't like the thorns. Right. And I know a cotoneaster is uh, similar looking without the thorns, but I'm not sure that it grows, uh, that you can get it to grow upright and, you know, cover a six-foot fence or whatever. So Uh, are you trying to cover this fence so you want something that's going to spread out? Well, that would be nice. I mean, at least cover a, a small portion of it. Well, I would probably maybe have a tendency, I don't know how fast or whatever, but take a look at the U's. So, like, the the Hicks U is a type of U which will grow just vertical. So it'll never really get, you know, wide. But you can mix that in with, like, the Nigra U or the Densiformis U. And all the, you know, the, the Hicks U you probably would never have to prune except maybe height-wise. The Densiformis or Nigra U, you're probably going to have to prune to keep it from get, you know, growing out too much. But uh-huh. that would be my choice. Now, is this a sunny or a shady location? Very sunny. Yeah, so they can handle that. And then there's several different types of uh, junipers that you could use, too. But my tendency would be to go with the, with the U's. Just make sure that uh, it's the spot, no water sits or anything else because they can't right. handle a wet soil. Okay. Do any of those have uh, pretty berries in the winter? Or uh, the, the female will have a red berry. It won't be spectacular by any means. Now, the, the other option would be to use uh, some of the hollies, but they're not. You know, I don't know if they're going to get big enough for for what you're talking about. Oh, like the China boy, China girl, that type of holly, and that's going to get the female is going to have the berries, and the male you have to have, so you're going to get the berries. But so like three females for every male that you put in. And you can get the females in like five-gallon pots, and you only need a male in like a one-gallon pot. That should produce enough pollen so they can, uh, you know, produce the berries for you. Okay. And can those be kept fairly um, fairly narrow uh, against the fence, you know, uh, a foot or two, or would they be more than a couple of feet? Probably. I mean, they're going to— they're. They're going to be, let's say, their, their growth habit's going to be kind of like the pyracantha. Oh, oh, okay. So sprawling, but uh, no, they're not going to be narrow, but you can prune them to keep them narrow. Just don't let them get big, and then all of a sudden try to prune them back. Right, okay. And then on the pyracantha, if we would put up with the thorns, do pyracanthas do very well in this climate, in the sun? Yeah, they don't mind it at all. Oh, okay. Great. Well, thank you so much for your help. Sure, my pleasure. 
And 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Got lines open. Back after these spots. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Boy, as I look out the window, I mean, the sky looks perfectly blue and clear. And there's a bunch of oak trees in the park right behind our building. And, uh, man, they're still holding on to a lot of leaves. And if your trees have a lot of leaves or even if they're fallen, don't let them pile up on anything in your landscape. You say, well, how is that any different than mulch? It is very different than mulch. Mulch has been, let's say, formulated, cooked to the advantage of, the, let's say, the plant material. Just leaves piling on top of each other, they have no advantage except keeping the humidity high, which leads to bacteria, virus, and problems along that line. Let's go to Anna's house. Hi, Anna. Maybe you just answered some of my question here. I I had collected uh, some locust leaves because I don't have access to a mulcher, Mm -hmm. and I was going to put them down on my hosta garden uh, to try to build up and enrich the, uh, the soil. Um, is that a bad idea then? Uh, with the locust leaves, are really, you know, I mean, they're really leafless. So you're looking at something that's maybe an inch by a half inch. So they're pretty small, and uh, just don't pile them up too deep. Okay. So that would be okay to do then? Yeah. Uh, things like oaks and maples and things along that line, sycamores, the, the leaves are huge. They have a tendency to not lay flat like this will. And sure. uh, consequently, that will hold more moisture. Okay. And a second question I have, I received some columbine uh, seeds through the mail last year. Ah. And at, at the time, I uh, the package said refrigerate until use. Um, I, I got them like in May or something, so I thought it was too late to actually put them down and, and try to seed them. Would now be a good time to try to put them down so that they would go ahead and then be ready to go in the spring? No, I or wouldn't put I them down now. should I just wait the spring? It's, uh, you know, I would just wait until springtime and wait until, let's say, between around mid-March or so and put them out at that time. Because that would be okay. the time when, let's say, in a na- the soil starts warming up. And if these were seeds that were dropped by columbine plants, then they would be germinating. Also realize that you're probably not going to have any flowers on the columbine for a couple of years. Okay. So just be All patient. Right. You know, make sure you know what the foliage looks like, so you don't like go, "Ooh, look at that weed! I'm going to get rid of that thing." And then, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I could see myself doing that. <laughs> right. It's pretty easy. All right. To do. Thanks so much. Have a sure. great day. I really enjoy your your. Show. Well, thank you, and I mean, uh, thanks for having me on your show. Yeah, Columbine are great fun. Uh, when I was in the Botanical Garden, English Woodland Garden, I, you know, growing up in Ellisville, I never saw Columbine in the woods or anything, or even on the margin of the woods. So I was really surprised at how many different types there were. But I still like more or less a native one that has the flower that's uh, red and yellow. But it is incredible. Once they're you know established, they start flowering, and then consequently making seed. How big that colony can actually get. Let's go over to Dorothy's yard. Hi, Dorothy. A question about little bitty black bugs in the house. Do you know how to get rid of them? Little bitty black bugs. Are they gnats? Are they flying? Are they crawling? Um, they're crawling. Oh, crawling. Ooh. No, basically, you know, 
I would say, you know, have have some kind of service come out that, you know, for pest control as opposed to anything else without knowing what type they are, you know, and where they're how they're getting in or anything else. That's probably, you know, so no, I can't really help you out too much. Thank you. Sorry. Yeah, little bitty black bugs crawling all over the place. Ew. Sounds creepy. Dee Dee, how are you today? Hello. Hi. I would like to know. I hear a lot of people put take their flowers down and put them in the basement, and then the next year they're uh, they put them back out and they're flowering. Could you tell me how I could do that? I have several. Well, not every you know not every. Uh, should I cover them or what? Uh, it all depends on what type there are. There's only a few that are going to be able to survive in the basement. Geraniums, and they, they can't really survive that well in just pure darkness. So they got to be in, you know, in front of a window. So, I mean, marigolds can, you know, will work. Geraniums will work. But all the flowers, all the annual-type flowers, if that's what you're speaking of, are not going to be able to survive. Petunias. Geraniums. Pardon Should me? I cover them and... And water them? Uh, no, just leave. You don't need to cover them. Just, you know, don't overwater them because they're not going to be using a whole lot of water. And uh, like I said, they do need some light. And don't cut the foliage of a, of them off. Cut the foliage? No, do not. Oh, do not. Right. Oh, okay. And uh, asters, too. But I, I they... Used them again the next year. Yeah, well, per- asters are perennials, so they should be able to stay outside. Oh, okay. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, the asters are still, I mean, I've seen some walk past some yards with uh, some of the asters, and they're still, I mean, they haven't shown any signs of cold damage at all. So they're really quite tough. So let's see. Want to get one more call in? Let's head over to Jim's yard. Hi, Jim. Hello, Jim. Yes. Hello, how are you? Good. I have a question about hydrangeas. Can you cut them down? Uh, no, <laughs> you shouldn't. Well, they're all laying kind of, you know, they look awful. I was just wondering what you do to well, clean can, up the bed. Yeah, you can you know, cut the flower heads off of them, but don't cut the stems off. So Okay. And that will take the weight off of them. But, yeah, the aesthetics of, uh, the, let's say, the, the brown lump hanging there is not exactly, you know, something you really want to look at all winter long. But uh, don't prune. It depends upon the variety and everything else. We have a lot of hydrangeas to grow here, and we have more probably hydrangeas in the top five as far as questions go because people start pruning them and prune them in the wrong sequence, and that messes them up. But you can cut the spent flowers, and that's not a problem. And just leave the the actual uh, stalk. Just leave it alone? Yes, leave the stalk alone. All right, thank you very much. Sure. And let's go over to Tom's yard. Hi, Tom. Hey, Mike, how are you this morning? Good. Um, uh, Mike, I am uh, uh, new to this, okay? I, I have a tough time growing grass. So, I mean, I uh, have a, a, a lawn service from time to time, come out and cut it and, and also fertilize it. But uh, I, I do have a mulcher that I, I mulch up a lot of the leaves that fall from this one particular tree I have in the backyard. So uh, that my first question is, is that going to be a problem since I've been mulching? I mean, it doesn't seem to hurt it. I mean, I get the grass back every year very nicely. So um, 
uh, you, you said something I mentioned before, and, and I um, just want to make sure that that's okay. Yeah, just so it doesn't bury. So, in other words, the grass. So I, oh, I understand. Yeah, I mean, so in other words, you can't see any of the lawn at all. You don't want that to happen. But just to run the mulching mower, I'd probably go north and south and east and west to cut it down to smaller pieces. Then those pieces will drop down in between the grass blades and actually help the crown of the plant. Okay. My second question is that uh, I, uh, I, I, I planted some, some mums this year, and, and I, tried, I haven't had a lot of success with those in the past. But this year what I did is I, I, I dug a little bit deeper, and I put some, uh, some topsoil with a little fertilizer, I mean, they really popped out very nicely. Um, do, should those be removed, or will they come back, you know, next fall? Well, they, you know, it all depends. They're not. They're going to come up before the fall comes. So, in other words, uh, just watch the base of the plant, the stems. Don't cut the, you know, don't cut the stems that are existing right now off, because that offers a little protection for the crown. So, in other words, where the root and the system, you know, meet, and then. Just watch for little leaflets right there at the base where the stem's coming up out of the ground. And then in the springtime, if you see little leaflets, green ones there, then cut sometime around mid-March or so, cut that, you know, all those stems off that stayed through the wintertime. And then basically what you're going to do is let the mum go to about four inches high. You're going to pinch it back to two inches. Then you're going to let it get to six inches high. You're going to cut, you know, pinch it back. And then you're going to let it again after you pinch it, get to about eight inches, and then pinch about uh, another inch or two off that. So it's going to be a process. They like to be fed regularly and with a very good fertilizer, too. Okay. Very good. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Yeah. So in other words, let them go and see if they make it through the wintertime. If there's not any little green leaflets, then they just didn't survive the wintertime. Mike Miller, okay. KMWAS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. we got some phone lines open, but right now, let's head over to Bill's yard. Hi, Bill. Hi, Mike. How are you today? Very good. <clears throat> That's good to hear. Especially in these days, uh, I got two questions. Uh, that grapevine I was talking about that I got has already lost all of its leaves. Should I put a little bit of mulch around it, or just let it go? No, you can. I mean, mulch mulch around the base of it. You know, okay. three or four inches. That should be at it. Yeah, should be fine. And the second question is, uh, I have some. Uh, I had a beautiful crop of zinnias. Really drew the butterflies. Now, how do I save the seeds, or should I just get a seed packet next year and not worry about saving them? Well, my brother has saved zinnia seeds for probably 30 years. So wow. just go out there and, you know, cut the the flower heads off and just put them in a paper bag. And then let the, let the others go to the other birds that would eat them. Then, exactly. Right? Also, uh, all the people that are feeding birds, I'm out on the edge of south of San Trey, and uh, I had gobs of birds, and then all of a sudden two broad-shouldered hawks showed up, and my <laughs> bird population is barely coming back. So anybody's got a lot of them, they're lucky then. That's true. I mean, that can really kind of ruin it. <laughs> well, I appreciate you and your show and our show or whoever show it is. 
Well, I thank you for listening and calling in. So thanks. Thanks, Bill. All right, bye. Bye. And now let's go from Bill's yard to Nora's yard. Hi, Nora. Hi, Mike. Hi. I have two poinsettias I bought last year. The leaves are all green now. I want to know the procedure to get the leaves to turn red again. Um, basically, you're going to have to put them in the dark for half, you know, for about uh, 12 hours each day. Oh, each day. I did it for one day, so I need to do it for how long? <laughs> no, it's going to probably take what you you just keep doing it in and out, in and out of the dark, and uh, basically, um, then you'll start to see them start to change color. And then once they start changing color, then you can just not have to put them back in the dark. Well, what about that lawn uh, lawn uh, bag, that big brown bag? Could I put it in that and put it in the basement? Yeah, I mean that's a lot of work, but uh, you can certainly do that. <laughs> Okay, I mean, to I'll carry do it up that. and down the steps. I mean, uh, you can just so it's in pretty much total darkness. You know, okay, that's what you really need to do. Okay, thank you. Sure, my pleasure. Yeah, poinsettias are really kind of wild and crazy. My mother was never really all that good at growing plant materials, but uh, for some reason, she never put her poinsettias in the dark, and she still got them to turn. You know, the bracts to turn color. So that was always. A mystery once I got older and I, you know, found out about all these things that you need to do to sort of trigger things. But that's what you need. And now let's go over to Greg's yard. Hi, Greg. Hello, Mike. Thank Hi. you uh, for your show. Um, my question is my wife uh, and I have uh, uh, butterfly bushes and pots on our deck. And now we brought them in because it's cold. Uh, wh- what's your recommendation to keep them alive or get them so we can put them back out next year. Well, the butterfly bushes are really hardy, so they should be planted outside in the ground. Well, we we have them up on the deck so we can really enjoy and see the butterflies right there off our deck. So um, should we plant them in the ground like over the wintertime and then bring them back up? Yeah, probably. What I do is just dig a hole, you know, and then set the pot down into the hole. So don't take them out of the pot. And in the springtime, when they start, you know, producing some new, the buds of the foliage start opening because you're going to have, you know, they flower in the summertime, so you're going to have foliage prior to that. Then pull them up out of the ground in the springtime once you start to see the new foliage, you know, emerging. So just trying to keep them alive or keep them going inside the house is not. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, that could be, they need to go through a cold period. So unless you got it one room in your house that's really cold, I don't think it's going to work. You could try it. I don't know how many you have. But for the most part, Three. digging a hole in a garden bed space and you know letting them stay outside in the wintertime is going to be probably the best way to go. You're awesome. Have a happy holiday. <laughs> well, thanks. All right. Yeah, and the lady with the poinsettias, you know, continue this dark treatment and uh, by keeping him in complete darkness. Now, I always just say, you know, for about 12 hours, this, you know, this information that I have here says between 5 a- p.m. and 8 a.m. That seems a little extreme, but I think if you keep him in the dark for 12 hours, then you should be okay. Now, let's, where should we go? Lars? Let's go to Lars. Hi, Lars. Hello, Mike. Hi. This is Lawrence from Warren County. We started a walnut tree farm about 20 years ago, and we had a mix of walnut trees, oak trees, and 
uh, ash trees, which was the formula we were given from the state when we started this program. Mm-hmm. And the trees have grown quite nicely. As we've went out to recently prune them, most of the uh, ash trees have died from the uh, uh, boar, mm-hmm. ash boar. But uh, it looks to me like we're starting to maybe get some boars into the walnut trees. Are you familiar with that at all? It's not really a chronic problem. That's not to say that, you know, it shouldn't be something to be concerned with. But usually the walnuts are so, I mean, that's really thick, heavy, dense wood. And for boars to go into there, that just seems a little bit uh, abstract. But I I wouldn't be overly concerned with it. Well, when I Googled uh, yesterday, because it kind of caught me off guard, there does seem to be some uh, walnut trees, like on the West Coast. They're called Pacific boars or Asian. Now, I don't want to say Asian, but Pacific boars and maybe some other boar. There's another boar maybe in in the Midwest that that could affect the trees, but I didn't know what the long-term effect of that was. I've never really seen anything like that before on walnut trees. Yeah, me either. So I'm unfamiliar with it. I would say I wouldn't be necessarily overly concerned with it. Okay. Well, I can tell you the ones we carried out are still, like you were talking about, hardwood and heavy. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, right. Exactly. So, I mean, that's got to be a really tough bore. Thanks a lot for your help. Sure, my pleasure. And let's see... Get another call on. Let's go over to Annie's yard. Hi, Annie. Hi, Mike. Hi. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Sure. I have a comment with regard to the lady that had the little black bugs flying around. Now, I have had that in the past, and what I've found is that I get a little overzealous when it comes to watering my other house plants. And if I take just a, a sand and put it on the top of that wet soil, that seems to solve my problem. All right. So she had. You're saying you have fungus gnats. I thought she hers were crawling, not uh, flying. Oh well, I, maybe I misunderstood that. But for anybody that's got them that's flying, put that sand on top of your uh, way too wet plants. <laughs> Sounds like a great idea. It worked for me. <laughs> right. Well, great. Thank you for your time and talent. Sure. And thank okay. you for having me on your show. Let's head, head over to Jerry's yard. Hi, Jerry. Morning, Mike. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Belated happy Thanksgiving. Well, same to you. Anyway, Mike, I'm uh, looking and about to purchase a home in the Ledoux, Frontenac, Creek Corps area, approximately three acres. My budget's about $600,000. And everybody does the walkthrough through the house, Mike. But I'm going to, like as I said, I want approximately three acres. I'm going to do the walkthrough through the yard. What do you suggest I look for that says, no, you don't want to buy this house or no, you need to renegotiate the price because this is a major situation? Because rarely in the real estate agent, they're always just having you walk to the house. I want to walk the yard because I listen to your program and I feel that's very important. So what would you suggest I look for, Mike? I would say having larger, mature trees whether they're mature right now or future mature trees planted within 20 feet or 30 feet of the house, that would be something I'd be overly concerned with. The root system going, you know, into the foundation and then the branches, you know, dropping debris on the roof. That would be the, probably the thing I'd be most concerned with. And also just the number of trees if you're a lawn nut. If you have too many trees, 
even shady spot mixes are not going to do well. So proximity of the trees, if there's larger trees or future larger trees that are young right now, to the house, and then just the number of trees if you want to have a nice lawn because you cannot have a good lawn basically if there's too many trees in the yard, even if they're away from the house because the tree root system, shade, you know, there are shady spot mixes, but the shade is a problem, but also the problem is the root system of the trees, you know, just compete with the lawn too much. I'm writing all this down because, Mike, I don't want to pull. I want to have a large yard. So my daughter complaining and everything. Sure. You can always swim at the country club, but really I mainly golf. And uh, <laughs> I really appreciate this information, and I'll, I will put it in on my notes here. And uh, you have a great week. Well, you do the very same thing. And folks, Thank three, you, Mike. Yep, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. So got a few minutes. Let's head over to Becky's yard. Hi, Becky. Hey, Mike. Um, I've got, just got in on a late answer that you gave some lady this morning about yellow areas in your yard, and you say it's not soiza? Uh, well, it could be. I mean... I, I was just wondering... Um, I got a beautiful green yard, and I have it sprayed every uh, five times a year. Mm -hmm. But this yellow area is just kind of taking over the yard, and uh, it's on both sides of the driveway, so it's not just in one. It's a big area, and the uh, the grass that's green is, I mean, it's real healthy, and so is the yellow. But I I don't know how zoysia can get in the middle of my lawn. Yeah, that's kind of tough. I don't think that's zoysia. I think, you know, probably the heat of your driveway is making it so your regular lawn is not doing well, so it's probably, you know, just... Well, the air, yellow area is not close to the driveway. Oh, it isn't? One, no, it's right in the middle of my front yard. Now, there's some over on the side by the driveway, very smaller area, but the biggest area is right in the middle of my front yard. Is there a depression there? No, years ago we took a tree out, and, and we put, but we planted, finally got some green grass, some grass to grow, and it's all green. So there's no depression there. It's a yard. It's all flat down a little hill in the front, but uh, it's it's crazy. And, and I I don't know. I guess it could be zoysia, but I I don't see. Uh, I think next door they may have a little. I can't see too far over, but. Across the street, I don't see anybody that's got that in their green yards. Yeah, I, you know, to me, even though, how long ago was this tree taken out? Oh, that's been 10 years ago. Oh, okay. That's so well then, developed, and finally, after filling up the hole about umpteen times, it's finally stopped. Right. Uh, and finally getting grass to grow there. But uh, so I don't think that has a bearing on it at all. It's yeah. just a if it's big been area years. right in the middle of the yard, and, uh, and then uh, some on the side, on my other side. It's crazy, and the other is just as green and beautiful. I have it sprayed five times a year, and they've never said anything about it. So, um, you know, when they leave a uh, note, leave the well, slip when, at the end of the service. So, well, they may be able to. After if they've seen it, they may it looks like they say something about it, though. Yeah, right. Because I mean, if they don't, I would say go out there when they're there and ask them what's yeah. going on here. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll do that. Of course, the services are, are finished for this year now, right. but next year that's what I'll do. But even historically, you know, maybe the the staff that you know takes care of your yard 
can remember what what was going on there. But that's if you've got a lawn service and you've got something that's that persistent, they should yeah. you know maybe think well maybe about they it. think it's Georgia too, and it could be. I I, I don't know. Uh, uh, there's a few kind of a few spots in the backyard, too. But Zoiza is, you know, it's different from a growth. It's different from a blade standpoint. And, a, you know, a lawn professional should be able to tell the difference between, let's say, fescues, bluegrasses, and Zoiza. So if it was right. Zoiza, then they should be able to tell you. They should know that. Okay, well, I think I'll give them a ring and have them talk to them about it. Right. I just... Um, never thought too much about it until a lady called and said, and you said, no, it's not Zoiza. Right. Uh, that's, so then I got to thinking, well, what the heck is it? So, well, I mean, okay. if, you, if you have a lawn service and you're paying for it, they, can, they should be able to come out and take a look at it right now, too. Yeah. Okay. Okay, well, I'll, I'll have them do that then. Great. Uh, I, I, I just thought it was Zoiza all along, and when I heard you say at the tail end of the conversation that, no, it's not Zoiza probably, and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, what is it? <laughs> Right. So I will call them then. Okay, great. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your service. Sure. Thanks for having me mm-hmm. on your show. Let's go mm-hmm. over to Rick's yard now. Hi, Rick. Hey, Mike. I love your show, by the way. I've got a couple of quick questions for you. Uh, I haven't cut my grass in about two months because it hasn't been growing. But now with uh, winter coming on, um, I want to ask, is it too late to cut my grass or should I cut it before winter? I mean, your cool season lawns, as long as it's growing, you should continue to mow it. Yes. I'm then, because it looks like it needs it. I didn't understand what you said there. Oh, I said it, it's been growing, and now it's gotten to the point where I think it does need to be mowed. So I'm wondering if I should mow it one more time. Yeah, definitely. And set your mower blade at about three inches or so. Okay, and one more quick thing. Is it too late to put in Scott's winterizer for the lawn before the winter? You're getting pretty late. I mean, uh, in theory, it should have been done at the at the beginning of this month. If you wait too much, it could force some growth. And even though it's a cool season lawn, forced growth, it could get killed off, you know, if we have a severe winter. So that's where the problem would come in. Okay. Thanks a lot, Mike. I appreciate the help. Sure, my pleasure. Yeah, and the lady with the you know the the brown spot in the yard, uh, I mean that might be an annual bluegrass, but no, it couldn't be annual bluegrass because annual bluegrass looks good this time of year. It goes brown in the summertime, so I would have this lawn service. If you're paying a service to come, I would have them come out for sure. And that's, I mean, if you're paying, pay, you know, paying people, it doesn't matter what it's, you know, related to, uh, get somebody out there to take a look and, you know, stop guessing. And especially if it's a, you know, if it's causing you mental grief, because the outdoors, it's tough to grow a lawn. It's tough to grow pretty much anything that's not native here. And we, the majority of the things we don't grow or we grow are not native except for the trees. So just, you know, enjoy what we can but also when you have a professional service, they should be, you know, working for you. So I'm not, I don't want to say you should get a whole lawn doctor and have them come out and take a look, but that would be certainly my recommendation. But everybody, Thanksgiving is over. Now it's wild and crazy times coming up. So I want to, again, I appreciate the people who put their holiday decorations up early. It's really nice. To, I mean, some of them are just over the top with this inflatable stuff. Some yards are just absolutely incredible. Now, those yards where those inflatable things are, 
hmm, you know, they go down, they lay down during the day maybe, or they just sit in the same spot. Those spots where they are, they're not going to come out of, you know, let's say a month or six weeks of that and looking very good. So just keep that in mind too. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline. I will see you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.